MCs and OC. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the benches. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. Oh, see, throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice. Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day. Struggle in the grind. Keep that hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic, chopping up the lotto pick, get it poppin' partner when we weaving in and out of it, it's on topic in sync, tell you what we think, let the thoughts link, let the truth sink, yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link, yeah, yeah, let the truth sink. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. First down. Gonna be in like the 30s and the 40s. And when I got out here, it was like the 70s. It's like record highs for Michigan this time of year. Wow. Global warming. Global warming. Oh. Indeed. But now it's back to uh, – I got here on Thursday night. That was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday, Tuesday. It's Wednesday now, and it's in between 30 and 40 or something. It's cold now. but No, okay. For like five days, I was dialed, man. We couldn't win because uh, I usually – I like coming out here and doing everything that's not Cali. You know? Like I like going fishing and hunting and all the stuff I never do in the Bay. They had no idea that it was going to be warm, so he put his boat away. He's got like this nice-ass pontoon that we go fishing on. He put the boat up, so we didn't go. But, yeah, every year I get better and better because I started off, I couldn't even put worm on a hook. <laughs> now I can take the hook out. If the fish swallows the hook, I can get in there with the pliers and take the hook out. I can do all that. I was so squeamish when, like, because, you know, you bring the fish in, and if you're doing good, everybody's constantly catching fish, taking them off the hook, baiting their thing. And so it got to the point where, you know, Pop 2, the guy, my dad's best friend who I come to see, we were catching so many fish because I wouldn't do anything. I would just bring it in, and then he would take it off. He'd throw it in the thing. He'd do all that. But we were catching so many, he had to do all this other stuff, like especially if a line snaps. And he's like, you're going to have to man up because I had never picked a fish off of the floor of the boat before. And those things are all – and I get all squeamish, and it's all jumping around, and it's slippery, and oh, my God. Anyways, I've manned up a little bit better over the years, though. Thankfully, we've got you at least to that point where you can <laughs> You can all? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to fish a lot, not so much now, but. Zoe, I can see you being an avid fisherman. Uh, yeah, I got a couple of teammates that are outdoorsmen, so I've done more and more over the years, but that's not like my natural thing I'm going to do. But uh, I'm supposed no, to go to. That's because no one in the Bay fishes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, we don't. From the Bay. Just your natural habitat is not to fish, even though you can fish in the bay. That yeah, I know. I know. It's just not something that anybody does because my dad's best friend's son took a video and he sent it to me. He's like, show that to your boys. They're going to make fun of you because you look like such a wuss. And instead, when I showed my boys, they were like impressed. They were like, damn, right. you, you did that? I'm like, right. they, were making, right. they were making fun of me out there. <laughs> you know, when I was in Michigan, I come home. I'm like, a, I'm a hero. They're like, I can't even believe you did that. You know, it's hilarious. There's a lot of stuff in the Bay, like outdoorsy stuff that people just, they don't even ever explore. 
When I was out there, I booked a, a shark diving trip to the Farallon Islands, uh-huh. where, you, where you get down in the shark cage and they troll for the great white sharks. And it's like 40 minutes away from the Golden Gate Bridge, right? It's right there. Yeah. I booked a trip with this company. They called me back and they were just like, uh, yeah, we're not going to go. You're the only person who booked a trip on the boat. I'm like, you're telling me that in all of the Bay Area, there's nobody else this weekend who wants to go searching for great white sharks. They're just like, yeah, it's not real popular. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a buddy that lives just like, like maybe two hours north. And he does all the stuff they do out here in Michigan. He goes fishing. He goes hunting. He does all that stuff. So it's not like it's not possible. It's just not, I don't know, not one of my friends. Let's say I have 20 friends. Not one of them has ever been like, yeah, I just got back from fishing. Or I just caught like six doves. Nobody hunts or fishes. All right, gentlemen. Yeah, for sure. Coming down in three, two, and one. Welcome on into the program. You know what it is. Two Zs and OC on Twitter, the number two. Z's and OC. You can follow the members of that podcast, Lorenzo Alexander at One Man Gang 97. And then Sean O'Connell, he's at Real OC Sports. I'm at CAK Sports. Anyways, gentlemen, what's going on? I'm out here in, uh, well, it was sunny Michigan for about five days. Now it's cold ass Michigan as it usually is in November. But how you gentlemen doing? I mean, doing all right. The winter has set in here in Salt Lake City, Utah. It is uh, snowing yes. for this past week. So, uh, you know, ice on the roads and all that stuff. Winter has arrived. <laughs> Winter is coming. Yeah, I, um, I actually like the snow for a couple days at a time. But I got a buddy out here in Michigan who he works at a steel company. And he says he has to get up at like 3 in the morning to do his driveway, go back to sleep. And then before he leaves for work, do his driveway again. So I like it for a couple of days here and there. But I can imagine it'd be a little difficult to live in that day to day. Oh, yeah, man. Different grind. I'm not on the 3 a.m. wake up to shovel level, but yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a whole different animal. The Midwest, the upper Midwest especially, I was born in Minnesota. It's just a different animal. It's so much colder. The snow stays all winter long. You get that blanket of white, and then it never disappears. The lakes freeze over. It's not right. quite like that out west. Well, so you were in Buffalo. Is Buffalo known yeah. for having, are they known for having the worst of all the winters in the United States? I don't know if it's the worst of all winters. They have a significant lake effect, especially in Buffalo, depending on what side you're sitting on the lake and which way that stream is coming in. But I would say Minnesota gets significantly colder, like cold, like negative, like Minnesota, South Dakota, that type of area. Buffalo, I think it's just longer, maybe more consistent. I mean, because we'll get it from when I lived there. A bad year was like October to May snow or seeing some type of snow at some point during that time so the length of time is pretty significant and it's just bitter so uh, i can relate to having to get up shovel not at 3 a.m but shovel you know and just have to do all those extra stuff just to leave the house so that's why i'm in phoenix to where i'm never (laughs) stuck in the house yeah well you're you're a cali boy like me and i know the one time it snowed in berkeley it was like front page news. All the news outlets were like breaking from regularly scheduled program. I know like a bunch of people in the neighborhood went to the spot where it was snowing, but that's one time in 37 years. Did it take you a minute to adjust to how cold it was? Uh, I mean, you can't adjust to that. I mean, I lived on the East Coast, so I lived in D.C. for quite a while. I think I played there for seven years in Washington. So, I, you know, I was used to winters. Carolina, even though it doesn't get super cold down there, it gets cold. So I've experienced some winters 
snow before I got to Buffalo. So I was somewhat prepared. It's not like I they just dropped me off straight out of Cali and was like, fend for yourself. I had some ramp-up time to learn how to drive in it, making sure I was shoveling, all those little things that you tend to forget about or don't know about growing up in the West Coast, especially in Oakland. Yeah, I bet it would have been a little bit harder if you went straight from Cali to Buffalo. At least you got oh, your yeah. feet wet. At least you got yeah, your yeah. feet wet a little bit yeah, of that, Yeah, Marshawn had to deal with that, you know, straight out of Cal. Got oh, drafted, yeah, he got drafted so, by so, Buffalo, yeah. I remember him just talking about it, just a whole different type of monster, just not knowing anything about it and having to drive, get to work. Man, I had my boy Shaq Lawson, who's from South Carolina. He wouldn't drive it anymore, you know. He came up there, we drafted him. He used to try to ride around in some type of sports car. I don't know. It might have been like a something like a Dodge, Hemi, or some, a Charger, something like that. I'm like, man, you can't drive in these type of cars. So we always get these cats from LSU, the South. You can't drive those type of cars in the snow. It just got too much torque. You're going to spin out all the time. So he got into a couple of accidents. And, like, he would literally not drive. By the time he left Buffalo, he would Uber <laughs> everywhere. When it started snowing, he wouldn't drive anymore. I hear that. I mean, the only thing we know is Tahoe, really, if you want to see snow. And that's always freaky driving that road. You got to put chains on the tires and all that. Well, anyways, let's get into it. Week nine, let's start with both of you boys grew up San Francisco Niners fans. I did, too, until they stabbed me in my heart and traded Joe Montana. And then I swore off him. And that's why I'm a Dolphins fan now. A lot to explain there. But We, um, we can do a whole show. On just the roots of your ridiculous professional team allegiance. Like 11-year-old Zachariah just getting truly heartbroken and angry and swearing off the Niners and burning all of his stuff. Like, he wasn't even that old. He wasn't even that old. Joe Montana left. We was younger than that. Yeah, 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 I think he left in, in like 92 or 93, so I was yeah. like eight, eight or nine or something yeah. like It was like my parents getting divorced and Steve Young was the stepdad, so I always hated him. You ain't my daddy. So, you know, that's just that's just how it goes. Sometimes, you just know, the basic, Just a basic lack of understanding of how professional sports work and thinking that Joe Montana has deliberately, the San Francisco 49ers have deliberately hurt you. I'm a Suns fan, a Dolphins fan, and an A's fan. And they're like, so wait, did you like go to school in Phoenix? Uh, were you like born in Florida? Like, no, all Cali my whole life. I'm just weird. Anyways, the Niners and the Packers, I don't know how much you even want to get into the game here because it was a blowout. I think everybody thought it was going to be a blowout. Might have even been closer than some people thought. But listen to this list. I've been talking about how the Niners are a mass unit. The Niners were without Jimmy Garoppolo because of an ankle, George Kittle because of his foot, Raheem Mostert because of his ankle, uh, Debo Samuel because of his hamstring, Brandon Ayuk because of COVID, Trent Williams because of COVID, and then Nick Bosa, D. Ford, and Richard Sherman have all been out. And it's getting to the point, they've almost already won too many games. And I know everybody's competitive, you want to win every game, but I'm the kind of guy, I know we put this on, you know, I start rooting for the draft pick because you know the season's lost. But I I guess what I want to ask you is, and we talked about Garoppolo in last week's podcast, but I was watching a sports show and they were talking about Garoppolo going to the Patriots or just different. Pl- I mean, they're basically already talking about Garoppolo being done. And O'Connell said that he said it after the Super Bowl, which is crazy. And I said that even saying it just half a season from making it to the Super Bowl is crazy. But what do you think the chances are that Shanahan's going to do it? I know, Zoe, you're going to say, who the hell are they going to have to replace him? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's always part of it. I mean, I think depending on how bad they end up and where they fall to as far as the drafts, because four and five probably right now puts them at, what, pick four? 
maybe five, just because the NFC East is so bad right now. We already know about the Jets. So you, I don't know what type of quarterback they're going to get there. Now, obviously, when you reboot, you're going to reboot with a young rookie quarterback. You don't know what you're going to get out of them. And then also free agency. But again, it always comes back, like I always say, who are you going to replace them with? What are your options? But it sounds like, because I was doing a show yesterday with local uh, radio in, in the Bay, like there is some type of dysfunction with the relationship between Jimmy G and I don't know if it's Kyle Shanahan or Mike Shanahan or both of them, but there's some type of tension there. I mean, anytime there's tension and you don't produce, things get exacerbated. Obviously, they face a lot of these adversity right now. And so people are trying to figure out what's the issue. This is the best time. If we're going to reboot and get away because we don't think Jimmy G is going to be elite. We're going bad right now, so let's do it. So I think that's why it's you know kind of snowballed a little bit. But at the end of the day, GMs, you know, he's going to have to sit down and really see where they're at and take the emotion out of it um, and see if they can draft a guy. Maybe he stays under Jimmy G for a couple of years, then takes the reins, or he comes in the right, right way and plays, just depending on the caliber of guy you get or in free agency. So I'm not ready to say it yet, just because Jimmy G gives them a great chance to win. They took him to a Super Bowl, and so they're going to have to pump the brakes on trying to ship him out there before you really know what your other options are. That's the more measured response. And I've been the kind of emotional fan about it. Like, look, if you're not going to make the throws to win you a Super Bowl, I don't even need you around. But you're absolutely right. He played well enough to get them to that point where they were competitive in the Super Bowl with an unbelievable Chiefs team. So, uh, look, if there is real dysfunction in that relationship between coach and quarterback – I don't know how you overcome that. I, I don't know if we have a good example of any NFL team that, that has yeah. overcome that. Aaron Rodgers, McCarthy, winning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's right. That's tough. So who do you replace them with? I mean, all we're talking about really is drafting the right guy. Because if you've got anything close to a franchise quarterback in the NFL, you're not letting that guy go. You're not allow, You're not trading with the 49ers. The only, the only piece the 49ers have – that they could give up to get back that kind of guy would be packaging someone like Nick Bosa with draft picks. And that to me is an ultimate no, no. So I don't know. I think probably the, maybe the best course for the 49ers, if the relationship between the Shanahan's and Jimmy G is salvageable is to still draft a quarterback. This is a quarterback rich draft and right. stash him for a year or two behind. And, uh, you know, a la, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City sitting behind Alex Smith to learn and understudy a little bit. And then once he burst onto the scene, he really burst onto the scene. That'd be the ideal situation because the window is only so long. And you got Trent Williams and you got some weapons. And obviously your defense is pretty loaded up. So I don't know. I think that that might be the plan moving forward. But it probably all hinges on how how serious the tension is. And, and the name as I'm just sitting here, they kind of just popped in my head. I don't know how much they're going to like him, how much he's going to develop because this year – He's backing up uh, Drew Brees, you know, with a guy like a Jameis Winston. You know, obviously he signed a one-year deal. If a guy like that comes available, do you just bring him in, draft a guy, and then let them compete? We all know what Jameis has been able to do uh, in Tampa Bay. Yeah, he's a turnover machine, but he also put up, you know, 5,000 yards as well and, and 30 touchdowns. So he's a guy that's capable. And in a Shanahan offense, 
Uh, maybe he think he can fix some of those turnover issues that James has had. So that's just kind of a name that popped in, and, and, and maybe they explore that a little bit when he comes up after this season as well. Yeah, I like that name, and I, I don't think Shanahan would ask James to do as much as he was asked to do in Tampa Bay, so maybe he could limit the turnovers, get that thing fixed. But I just think if you're, if you're the Niners' ownership, it's really difficult for me to judge the Niners on this season. You know, they were up. 10 in the Super Bowl in the fourth, and this was supposed to be hashtag revenge tour year. But with all those guys that I just listed that are out, I mean, it's almost like a mulligan. I can't tell OC to get in the ring and fight somebody, but I say, hey, you can only use your left hand and then judge how well OC did fighting in that fight. I mean, they're basically, they're fighting with one arm tied behind their back. And so I just feel as an organization, if you felt as good about your team last year and getting as far as you did and then going into this year once everybody's back to being healthy i don't know why you just don't hit the reset button as opposed to really shaking things up at the most important position that point that this may be the reason why they do it oh we, we're, we have a lot better draft pick uh we may be able to get one of those quarterbacks you know fourth or fifth pick depending on how the rest of the season goes so let's let's blow it up right now because this is our chance because if we win again, if we get back, because they're, I mean, they're going to win. Kyle Shanahan, just the culture they have, all those guys coming back next year, they kind of then remove themselves out of maybe drafting a franchise caliber quarterback moving forward. Because even if they stick with Jimmy G, they're going to win, you know, eight to nine games a year. Obviously, they're in one of the tougher divisions, but you winning like that. Now you're picking at maybe 15, mid, mid range. You're not going to find a franchise quarterback majority of the time. In that in that realm where you can a guy can hit the ground running and, and go. I like that. So you're saying you're saying the opposite. You're saying because this year their record's gonna be so bad that this might be the time to do it because at other points you're gonna be picking more middle of the pack. That's interesting. Well the, it, it's looking like they're gonna have a higher and higher pick because they play at the Saints, at the Rams, at home against the Bills. Then they have two buys, not actually buys, but they play the Washington football team and the Cowboys back to back weeks. You uh, never and know. Then, and then they have the Cardinals and the Seahawks. But were you going to say something, Mosey? Yeah, well, it's funny that, like, the Niners find themselves in sort of an equivalent year to what the Golden State Warriors are dealing with, right? You've got a really pretty talented roster, but because of some circumstances with injury, yeah. Yeah. now yeah. You're, getting a, you're getting a lottery pick just because your team got unlucky, right? The 49ers are kind of in that scenario right now where it sucks because you got to – you got to punt on this year, but if you're going to punt on any year, might as well be this weird COVID year, right? So I, I know that NFL players and coaches don't like when you talk about tanking for a draft pick because guys are playing for their jobs every single week, and coaches in some cases are coaching for their jobs every single week. I don't think that's the case with Shanahan or most of his assistants. So for the San Francisco 49ers, you're going to see Trent Williams – for example, he's going to have COVID the rest of the year. They're going to shut. They're going to shut him down. Everybody's all of a sudden going to have it. Like instead of saying six no. feet apart, they're going to tell everybody to get right next to each other. Everybody hold hands. Everybody sing to each other. Yeah. Like, I, mean, that's, I mean, that's a great thought. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in the NFL, you can't do that just because your your shelf life is so short. So there's rarely. I've seen it one time in my career where an organization. Made a guy sit out on IR, but it was it wasn't to tank. It was because they was embarrassed of their pick, and he wasn't good enough to play, so they Damn. placed him on IR. But he but he really wasn't hurt. 
Uh, Trent has already set out a significant amount of time, so I don't see him really wanting to sit out anymore. He may have incentives in your contract, playing time, uh, bonuses, giving up certain things that guys aren't willing to sit out for because of the way contracts are are, um, are uh, organized or made up. Even like if you up per game, you get a per game bonus. Yeah. So that's why you rarely see guys sit down because they don't want to be out there getting that additional cash. The good thing is, is that they don't have to tank to finish bad because of those injuries that you name. Because they're on, you know, the second or maybe third or fourth, uh, person, depending on where you look at. They can go out there and play as hard as they want, but because they're not good enough to win, yeah. they're not. And so, as a coach, it's great because now you can say, "Come on, guys, just hey, just go out there, play, do your job." And in the back of his mind, like, "Yeah, we don't really have a shot unless the other team makes mistakes and puts us in a position to win." And so. You can still have that that culture of trying to win and and guys ain't looking around like saying, we're really trying to lose this thing. So you don't really lose your locker room or some of your veterans uh, because you're just not good enough. And, and yeah. people can see that around based on the injuries that have happened uh, with the team so far. Yeah, it'll work out either way. I actually I want to stop on this game, which I would normally skip over. But the Falcons beat the Broncos 34-27. They improved to three and six. They could be six and three. Remember those three games I told you they had a 99.99 chance of winning the game and they lost all three. But you flip those three losses and they're six and three. But I don't really want to get into Atlanta football so much as the news that came over during the weekend. The uh, Falcons wave Tack McKinney after trade tweets. Now, he went to uh, Kennedy in Richmond. And one of my friends actually coached him not in football, but in basketball, so I've been kind of following his career. He had one of the best draft moments. He got drafted, and they didn't ask him anything about anything, and he just busted out and said, "We gonna get the quarterback." We gonna get. It was like it was like it was almost like it was a pregame interview, and they were like, "So what's the key to the game?" But right. they didn't ask him anything about a game. That was just his statement when he came out. Anyways, I love the kid, but I just wanted to know, Zoe. First of all, do why doesn't every guy have a guy? that approves a tweet before a tweet sent out. You know, Herm, Herm Edwards always on ESPN yeah. would go, think before you hit send. Why yeah, do right. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know what you did. Did you have a person? I mean, you probably didn't need one. Well, but Well, yeah, well, I, I mean, my wife is a person. Uh, she <laughs> normally does it for me. Uh, but yeah. I actually do use that. I utilize that. You know, they always tell you to think through. So I've actually several times I wrote a tweet, and it may not even be that egregious or that controversial. I'm like, do I really want to attract that? And some guys don't have that filter or don't have that ability, especially if they're in their emotions at the time or something is going on and they're upset. And so they just hit sin. And, and the crazy thing is about it, you can do it at any time, any time of night, any time of day, anywhere, because it's right in your hand. And so you're not going to always have a guy walking alongside of you unless you set it up to where it goes to them and then they're tweeting it for you, yeah. where you have somebody that can be your filter for you. So it's all about having mentors that are going to help you mature and grow and you have to be accepting of that as a player um and so some guys are more resistant than others as far as letting people speak into their lives and try to show them the proper way to go about doing things uh they may see other people act a certain way and achieve what they're trying to achieve and feel like hey i may be in that same elk i can do it too when really you're not you're not <laughs> a superstar you're not in that elk and it just is what it is you know i'm not a guy that can pull off with ab did right or what any uh guy has done as far as going to the press talking crazy throwing out different tweets and think that i can overcome it based on my talent and not get blackballed or not get cut 
or, you know, or, or cost myself money in the process. And so you have to be humble and real about your situation, too. And again, it goes back to mentoring, having guys, veteran guys that you trust, that you allow or team of people, one person, two people, whoever it may be, and listen to what they have to tell you. Um, you know, because most of the time people are trying to give you good information. Now it's up to you whether or not you want to receive it. And so there's a lot of guys, I think, that feel victim to that because it's a pride thing. Hey, I'm this baller. I'm a first rounder. You know, I'm whatever. I did sacks, whatever. I'm just talking about tag. I'm talking about just young guys coming to the league, period. You have to be humble. You have to humble yourself. And, and, and there's a process. And you can't compare yourself to how other people do things. There's a general way about being professional. And nine times out of ten, everybody needs to fall in line in that unless you're just an outlier talent-wise where guys will, okay, I'll let that slide because I know he's going to go out here and give me uh, three sacks a game, you know, like an Aaron Donald. Like Aaron Donald can do whatever he wants to. He can go out here and say, talk crazy. We're going to still bring him in. If you're not that caliber, you got to watch or you can find yourself on the street and the grass isn't always greener, which I found out watching guys do things. Hey, I want to get out of here. Trade me. And they end up out on the street and out of the game a lot longer than they want to and not thinking or thinking they got money somewhere else and it's not out there, especially during a COVID year. I would be very cautious about, you know, trying to get a trade or get moved or get because there's not a lot of money going around to veterans. And next year is going to be the same thing because we know the revenue is going to be down. This is tough because all of those things Zoe just said certainly apply. Self-awareness is a huge thing for anybody in any profession. And Tack McKinley needs to look in the mirror and figure out why as a first-round pass-rushing talent, he's he's averaging shy of five sacks a year, right? Like, he's not delivering on those numbers. Now, part of that might be a scheme problem and a fit problem in Atlanta because we've seen them kind of squander some incredible talents. Uh, I'm thinking of like a Vic Beasley situation where a guy has 16, 15 and a half sacks in one year and then just kind of disappears off the face. Is that his fault? Is that the scheme's fault, the coach's fault, whatever? So there's always two sides of the story, but Tack McKinley's in a situation now where he has established a bit of a reputation for himself because of the way he exited Atlanta, right? Other teams are going to be a little bit more reluctant if he's not considered a good locker room guy or he's considered to be a problem. And all of that is washed out by production, but he doesn't have the production to back that up. So now he's got to find a fit and he's got to put up or shut up. That's the thing. Once you've exited the team that showed initial belief in you, your stats don't make you impressive to anybody else. So the only thing that you can do now for media perception, fan perception, ownership, general managers, wherever you show up, because he will get another chance somewhere, you've got to deliver on what you think you are. Nobody else thinks you're that right now, but what you think you are, you got to deliver on that. And he, he, he came from Kennedy and Richmond, like Zach said, where he was the best player, probably in three sports. He went to UCLA, where UCLA was not having great years in terms of team success. And he was the most promising talent on that team. So he could do kind of whatever he wanted. Now he's in a whole new world where he's not the best player. So this is this is a situation that I think a lot of guys fall into where you're the, the biggest fish in a smaller pond, the biggest fish in a smaller pond. You get to the biggest ocean out there, and you're just not the kind of fish you thought you were. So that's what's happening with Tack McKinley. 
and you hope he lands with somebody like the Patriots and they maximize his ability and they maximize, uh, you know, the production that we saw from him in college. And then he'll get another big contract from Miami three years after that. That's kind of a formula or Cleveland after that. That's kind of a formula for guys who rehab their defensive careers under Bill Belichick, but I don't know where else he's going to fit. Yeah, I think that he's the kind of guy where if he gets a change of scenery, you could see a huge uptick in his production. But in terms of the Detroit stuff, I'll tell you what. If I was in the NFL or professional league or whatever, I wouldn't even know the login info for my Twitter. I would have the you know, you probably at that point, if you got enough money, you you know, you hire one of your best friends to be your assistant or whatever. I would text him whatever I wanted to tweet and tell him to make sure don't ever give me the password. I don't even want to know how to get in there because Lord knows I'd get kicked off every team for tweeting out something stupid. Especially hey, hey, the crazy thing about that, though, is that it doesn't matter. You can always set up fail safe like that. But at the end of the day, if I'm mad enough, I'll go right to Twitter, create me a little burner account, and I'm going to say something crazy. I mean, I have the blue check, right? <laughs> yeah, you just going to say something. Yeah. Uh, so it's a maturity thing. It's a self-awareness thing. As OC yeah. just talked about in growth, yeah. um, and and it may you may be okay with that, but at least I know you know you have to think things through, game it out before you go and act on your initial knee jerk reaction. And sometimes guys are in a position to where hey, I, I'm I got I'm going to force my way out of here. They're not going to let me go, so I'm going to say X Y Z and and get myself out of here. Much like a, like a Jamal Adams, right? But he gets he gets traded. Seattle's in a much better place for himself, but you have to be a certain caliber of guy. To, for them to be able to do that, for somebody to want you, trade you, because now you get cut, you, you're in a COVID spot, so now you sign, you have to go back through the protocol, uh, depending on how long you're out. And then you're probably going to end up accepting a minimum deal. I think Tack has been in the league long enough to where he can probably double dip. His, his salary is probably guaranteed for the rest of the year, so he's probably good in that regard. Um, but again, now you may have to accept something that you necessarily don't want to accept, so a team may just hit you with a low ball, hey, you know, we'll bring you in two-year minimum deal, you know, and lock you in and try to lock you in. And now you, you may be stuck in a, a rock and a hard place. So I just, I just hope, you know, maybe Tag did this. Maybe he thought it through. Hopefully he did. I know some of the people that are around him. Um, and so, you know, hopefully it was, it was game plan to say, hey, this, these are your possibilities. These are your options. What could happen? And then, all right, I'm cool with it. I'm about to do it. I'm going to hit send. Boom. All right. Now you have to deal with the consequences or maybe that's what you wanted. And now you have to move forward with the bed that you created for yourself. But it may not be exactly what you want initially. Again, you may have to go to another place, may have to play for the minimum. Um, obviously, he's going to get his, his salary from this year from the, um, the Falcons and then the difference from whatever team he ends up signing with if he does. And then next year may be another minimum deal, like a prove it year. OK. Oh, yeah. You are who you said you were. You just needed a scheme fit or change, and you go out there and ball and then get paid, you know, that following year. But it's going to be a little bit of a process before I think he gets what he wants and and, and, and be where he wants to be at. Yeah, the reason he's laughing at the idea that Zachariah says that if he made it to the NBA or something, he would have somebody tweeting for him. Like, self-awareness is something that you already lack pretty significantly. Right. No way. <laughs> no, that's my – oh, see, oh, see, that's my point. No, no, listen. So, yeah, self-awareness, 
Self-awareness <laughs> is often inversely proportional with professional success. So the better you are at whatever you do, the less self-aware you are. So yeah. if you were to make it to the NBA, you'd be walking around like you were God's gift to everything. There's no yeah. way in hell you're asking. He for already walks help. around like that now. <laughs> you're already like that, and you were all league. And then- oh, right, all all league. <laughs> but I'll see. I'll see. I here's the thing. I'm so I, – I, I lack so much self-awareness that I know that I lack self-awareness. And <laughs> I, I was always in trouble in school, and I just know that if, if, if I had that ability and that many people saw it and I could get in that much trouble, I wouldn't want it to end. So I'm, I'm telling you, I just wouldn't – that's why I wouldn't even have the login in for myself. I would just have somebody else have it. But anyways, let's move on. Hashtag Bills Mafia. We got to get to Zoe's Bills. This was an incredible game. Uh, for a lot of reasons, 44 to 34, the Bills beat the Seahawks. Now, you'd think there'd be tons of offense every way, right? No. Buffalo had 34 yards rushing on 19 carries. Seattle had 57 yards rushing on 17 carries. So this was all through the air, and it was basically Russell Wilson versus Josh Allen. Now, we know people are talking about Russell being an MVP candidate because he's overcoming how bad Seattle's defense is, and they're 6-2, and two, but... I think, Zoe, you probably walked away with, uh, look, Josh Allen, once again, 31 of 38, 415 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. He's now got, on the year, he's got 19 touchdowns and only five picks. He was incredible. He won them the game. But I'm guessing you walked away from this, Zoe, a little bit disappointed in your in your unit on the defensive side for the Bills. Yeah, I mean, there was some explosion plays that they gave up, um, especially late in the game. Uh, that allowed Seattle to, you know, obviously score 34 points. Anytime any team scores 34 points, <laughs> you're not yeah. playing that great of a defense. But they did a great enough job in the beginning to get a jump. I mean, it's hard to stop Russell Wilson, who we're saying is the MVP. You got Tyler Lockett, and then you got that grown-ass man over there. I don't know, you know, he's beast mode, DK Metcalf, that is just a He's like, a uh, you know what they should call him? They should call him, uh, <laughs> like, Megatron 2.0 or something. Because he reminds me a lot of Calvin Johnson to be that big. But he's, he's, yeah. Calvin Johnson was, Calvin Johnson was tall and fast. And don't get me wrong, right. he was strong. Yeah, yeah. But he's even, right. he's even bigger than Calvin Johnson, just as tall and just as fast. Yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. So you got that grown man over there. And so it just, it's hard to compete defensively when you're playing against an offense of that caliber, regardless if they had a, a, a running attack or not. And so there were times guys were in were in place. I mean, even Tredavious White, you know, I think he's one of the best young corners in the game right now. Just getting just getting beat deep with some speed, some physicality things, because DK Metcalf, you know, unlike some of these other small receivers, and this is why I, I really love him. He's actually my MVP of the season, even though I know he's not going to win it, Russia win it is that he plays throwback football, he, and, he, and he plays big. A lot of guys that are big like that sometimes play small. But he catches the rock, unlike these other guys that like to slide or run out of bounds. He, you may think he's running out of bounds, and he's going to turn right at you. Bam! Run you over, stiff arm you, throw you down. Does the same thing in the blocking game, tossing you around. So he just dominates you physically, both like blocking, running you over, and then just athletically, Going deep, catching rocks. I mean, so it's just it's. I, I love watching. Him. I'm a, I'm actually a fan of his. I'm not a fan of too many players, so I really love the way he's playing. So with all that said, it's hard to stop them. It it just is. One time, Russ got hit square in the chest, throwing a ball, 
Cross the field, back of the left side end zone. Russell's on the right side of Doc. Lockett dropped it, but it was very eerie of the same play Lockett caught versus the Cardinals, but it was a dime. And so it's when somebody's that accurate, it, it's just hard to stop them. And so yeah. I say all that. They did enough to win the game. The game started 14-0. I think they might have been up 17-0 at one point in time. So they gave themselves enough cushion to withhold. But I was holding my seat the whole time, like, oh, Keep, keep it on him because Russ can come back at any time. And he made some plays, but they had a, a, enough turnovers. They had a couple of turnovers um, on defense to take possessions away, which helped them be able to close that out. Not all wins are created equal, as everyone knows, in the National Football League. And when you're – So would disagree with that. He says, he says if you beat the Jets by one, that's the same as beating the Steelers by 30. That's not what I said. You said a win's a win, Zoe. You tell me that all the time. A win win is a win, but that doesn't mean that if you can't, you don't have deficiencies in that win. Okay. So if I turn out and I'm 13 and three and I and my and I match up with the here, you're not gonna tell me that I didn't win my division. I won my division. I beat that team. Now I may not be the best 13 and three team ever to walk the face of the planet. There may be a 10 and six team that's better because they're more. Uh, they played tougher teams throughout the year, but I won those games. And you're not going to – oh, well, your 13-3 and three doesn't, doesn't matter as much. Yes, it does, because I won those games. Okay, now, I may not enough. be as good as I think I am. That's Fair what enough. I mean by when I say that. Fair enough. Beating Seattle is different than beating Miami right now. And everyone knows that. And dueling it out and finding a way to do it, especially when – I know that we, we have this thing that's – it's a false equivalent because it's not quarterback versus quarterback, right? It's quarterback versus defense. But the perception yeah. and the way that we process these things is, all right, man, when it's Drew Brees versus Tom Brady, who's going to win that matchup? They're not really going against each other. But because we still do that, this has got to be a huge confidence builder for a guy like Josh Allen who had better numbers than Russell Wilson in a game that his team eventually won. Uh, you're still a young guy, still building your brand, still building who you are as a as a leader on your team, and you win in a pass-heavy game and against Seattle, you outthrow an MVP candidate. I mean, maybe I'm I'm digging too deep for a storyline here, but I got to believe that's important for the young guy and boosting his confidence and the confidence his teammates have in him. Uh, yeah. I, Josh's confidence is always on sky high, so I don't know if beating Russell Wilson matters to them as much. Just being, you know, just being inside. Just knowing who he is. A lot of times, I think it's more of a confidence booster for maybe the, the team overall because this is probably the first elite team they beat this year or we want to call elite because this Seahawks aren't elite. Russell Wilson and the offense are elite. The defense is not very good. And, like, I don't know, Pete Carroll's like, I didn't even recognize us. I mean, you, have you watched any of y'all games this year? All your games have been shootouts. <laughs> All of them. I, don't, I mean, maybe one that was, you know, under – you know, 25 points, but it was still all offense. So I think it's more, obviously, a team like that coming in, and they had to travel to you. So I, I, I give Seattle a little bit of a break. So I would love to see this week when the Bills come out to Arizona before I start saying, okay, because traveling makes a big difference. But they did beat them. They did beat an elite team from national media perspective, and that's all you can ask for. But I think it was more of a boost to organizational confidence versus one player so because i know the defense 
doesn't have a lot of confidence in giving up 34 points because there were some things. But overall, team win, confidence, okay, we can play with anybody. If it's a shootout game, we can, we can shoot it out too at an elite level. Before Zachariah moves on to the next game, I got to ask you because when you're a team, a franchise that has a reputation for a certain amount of years, for a decade plus as being defensive-minded, how damaging to your psyche is it to play now for the Seattle Seahawks defense and be like, we, we were the reason we used to win, and now we're the thing people are talking yeah. about. Because they still have a lot of like really good players. you got a couple of Hall of Famers on this defense. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it is it it, it 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 is discouraging because you do have some pieces out there. And for whatever reason, you're not executing. The issue is is that those Hall of Famers aren't at the positions where they need them. You know, on the outside, and right now they're getting ate up. Most of those Hall of Fame caliber players you're talking about are in the box. Um, Jamal Adams, I would even count him as a box player. Um, he's not Hall of Fame yet because he's still young, but has that ability to play at that level. Um, but he's been injured most of the year. And just on the outside, they just haven't been um, playing up to the standards they need to. Um, and then you mix that in with not having a pass rush. Uh, I mean, you just – that's a perfect uh, mixture of, of, of creating the, the situation they are in right now, um, especially when you think about all the athletes and the division that they're in and, and the caliber of players that they've had to play against. Um, that's what it makes it up. So it's hard. And I think even to some extent, I think the Bills are going through that as well. Because, you know, when I was there, we, Josh. Because they lost you, right? No, no, that has, nothing, that has nothing to do with me. Josh Josh never had, and I didn't even realize that, he didn't have a 300-yard game. So 18-19 and then 17, that was Tyrod Taylor. We didn't have a 300-yard passer. So Wait. many of the games that we won during my tenure there was mainly because the defense kept us in a game or kept us close enough to where they didn't have to put up you know 30 points you know maybe they had to score 20 before but never what they're doing right now um and so it is a little bit of a stroke of an ego i mean it, it cures all because they're still winning you're still seven and two but you're still trying to figure out okay what are we missing what what don't we have obviously COVID. you can make probably some excuses in your mind there like okay we didn't have enough time to jail but we still need to fix it and so I think if it lingers, if it continues to linger and they don't get it corrected and, it, and they become the detriment of why they don't go to a Super Bowl, and that's Seattle or Buffalo, I think that's where it ultimately is, will strike you down. Because right now you have a game the next week to correct it. It hurts when you get to that playoff game and you play a team like, you know, Kansas City Chiefs or Tampa Bay or New Orleans or whoever it may be, and right. then they put up points and you can't get a stop to allow your office to win or stop to seal the game. And then you don't have nothing next week to get that nasty taste out of your mouth. You got to sit with it all off season. That's when it becomes mentally um, debilitating or, you know, you, you carry it with you. Uh, Cause you can't do that during the season because it's a week to week type of process. And so it looks like the bills are starting to get better and starting to play better. Tremaine Edmonds is getting healthy watching him. Um, really loving that defense. They had uh, five sacks in the game. So they're getting all that with missing Mitch Morris. Uh, uh, Cody Ford went out. And I want to say one other lineman went down. Daryl Williams, I think, went down. And still was able to protect and throw the ball like that. So that's real encouraging for them. And as far as Seattle, they got to correct something or they're going to maybe find themselves out, depending on the matchup, maybe out in the first round. 
because, well, I wouldn't say the first round because of Russ, but depending on who they match up against, it's just going to be hard for him to sustain that week in and week out. Yeah, well, it was a very typical 2020 game. Tons of offense, not a lot of defense, but in the end, I mean, defense still wins championships no matter how much the rules go towards that. But for the first time in a long time, this late in the season, the Bills are looking at the division like it's for the taking with the Patriots' struggles, the Jets being the worst team ever, possibly. Uh, but there's another team that still has their eye on the division. We'll get to them in a minute. Let's just touch on these rapid fire. The Bears and the Titans, this game kind of exemplified what I think about both teams. I felt like the Titans should have probably dominated this game a little bit more, and I think they've got the pieces, but I still don't fully trust them. And then the Bears, I told you they were the worst 5-1 and one team ever. They've lost three straight now. They go to five and four. Look, Foles can get some things done in different spots, but consistently being a well above average quarterback, he's just not. They go scoreless through the first three quarters. They end up scoring 17 in the fourth. But Titans win that game 24-17. We can just go rapid fire with this, but if you have any thoughts on that, Zoe. Yeah, I mean, they just got to have a running game. I mean, I don't think neither one of these quarterbacks will be able to thrive at a high level if they're not able to run the ball. And so, you know, just kind of even just looking at the box score where they've been having to watch the game. I mean, it just – they have to have a running game. You have to be able to run it at an efficient rate uh, so you can play action. So people are not playing six-man boxes versus you. And because neither one of these guys have that ability, I think, to do that at a high level week in and week out. They'll, you know, they'll come out and slice up here and there. But um, – to do it over and over and over, and, and obviously find the end zone, um, you're gonna you you need to be able to um, be able to run the ball, make people come up, then you get those big chunk plays, then you are able to score touchdowns, convert in the red zone, um, all those type of things. That run game really helps you with that ability to be able to do that, and be two dimensional, not a one dimensional team. Uh, Ravens and Colts. Only thoughts I really had on this game. I, I mentioned last week that I was surprised that I looked up and all of a sudden the Colts were five and two. So they're obviously you've touched on their defense and their coaching and Phillip Rivers still has enough in the tank to make them competitive. They lose 24 to 10. My takeaway from this was kind of what we talked about Lamar Jackson last week. It seems like as long as he's not playing the Steelers or the Chiefs, then he looks like the MVP, the, the unanimous MVP from last year. But they bounce back and improve to six and two. I, I, you know, I love Lamar. I love what, what they're able to do. Uh, let's not forget about his defense. They did have a pick six in this game, yeah. um, you know. And so they are a dominant defense. And anytime you're holding a team, and even a Phillip Rivers team, you know, how good he has been and, and can be at times, um, to 10 points, you're going you gonna to win those games. And for me, I still want to see, it, it, you know, so – it's easy for Lamar to win these games. And so don't hear what I'm not saying. I think he's a great player. He still has to be able to win from the pocket. He didn't have to do it this week because his defense dominated. They were able to move the ball. Obviously, he, he's able to run the ball, had one rushing touchdown. But for them to be, like, legit, elite, they have to be able to score points like that. And you can't always do that running it. Obviously, he can make some great runs and stuff. But obviously, the, the quickest way is through the air. Big explosion plays through the air. And so when they come up against those Pittsburghs, who, who's going to be in the playoffs? When they come up against the Chiefs, who's going to be in the playoffs? When they come up against the, 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 the Buffalo Bills, who's going to be in the playoffs? Can they score enough points 
at that higher rep. And hopefully maybe their defense is able to stop these guys too. But obviously these teams have more talent. So if there's more matchup issues, you may be able to shut one guy down. But can you shut down the second and third option as well? And I believe in the Ravens defense, so maybe they can. But can they do it three straight weeks in a row without having to possibly have a shootout in that game? And so you always have to hedge your bets. Obviously, they're, they're elite defense. But there may be a week where they're not quite – they don't feel that well. Maybe some guys are injured because of maybe COVID takes out a couple of their star players like it has. Maybe somebody's nicked up, and so that defense doesn't play up to that, to that standard that we've seen. And then can you score 30-plus points? Can you do that, Lamar? I, I, I don't know if he can do that quite yet um, from the pocket and not necessarily have to run it. And so it'll be interesting to see how, they can, how he continues to grow and continues to move forward. I know he has the ability to do it. I just don't know if he can do it in this season. Yeah, it's crazy because there's some games where it seems like he's hell-bent on not running or not moving around and he wants to stay yeah. in the pocket. And, and there will be times where he's crazy – accurate and then there's other times where people still question whether or not he can be that pocket passer because we all know he's a dual threat and so I just kind of go back and forth on Lamar it's all about consistency I mean we've seen it but it's kind of it's like they haven't found the the right balance yet as you to your point either kind of like Josh Josh Allen right Josh Allen was like there was he, he had games over the past couple of years where he looked like he was crazy um accurate and then he didn't and this year it seems like he's putting it together more game to game yeah yeah, I would yeah. definitely agree with that observation. You'll learn more about Lamar Jackson in these next three weeks, but especially that third week, that's another game on the road at Pittsburgh. But very winnable game against the Patriots, right? He can kind yep. of tune things up. The yep. Titans, you're stepping up a little bit, ramping up to that Pittsburgh matchup. So uh, that's the one. That's the one where you decide whether or not he's a quarterback you can put in the category of some of the other elite guys, or that's – where you decide to the point of this game he just played, whether or not he's going to remain in that Phillip Rivers category where, look, he's impressive and he can beat just about anybody except four, and then there's like three or four teams in the league. That That's the thing. Phillip Rivers, because of his numbers, is going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but we're never going to look at him the same way we looked at the big team because there was just always something in his way that he couldn't overcome in a long, long, long career. He never figured out how to do it. And, and Lamar Jackson could end up being one of those guys if he can't get over the hump. Yeah, you know, you see that in every sport, really. You know, you see teams like in basketball, the Kings had all those amazing teams that couldn't get past the Lakers. My beloved sons with Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire, they were always, but they couldn't get over the Spurs. And so it seems like, you know, he's going to have to break through at some point on that. All right, I'm not going to waste anybody's time, the listeners or you guys. Lions, Vikings. <laughs> Giants, Washington, <laughs> team. Texas, Jaguars. What? what? You don't want to talk about the Washington football team? Oh, I, Zoe, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Yeah, those three games, good God, is that awful. Is that an awful stretch? But I do want to touch on Chiefs-Panthers here real quick. Chiefs win 33-31. I swear I say this every week. At some point, if Mahomes and Kansas City keeps doing this, it's going to bite them in the ass. But it seems like every game – He toys around, he toys around, he messes around, he messes around. Maybe he goes down, maybe he goes down big. Maybe it's 28-0. Maybe it's 20-10. Maybe it's whatever. But it seems like every week this guy is just messing around, messing around, and then when it's go-go gadget time, then all of a sudden he turns into the superhero and the Chiefs end up winning. You know, they improve to 8-1. But I just get that feeling, and I have a feeling they're going to get to a point 
where it's going to be too much to overcome or they're going to be there's going to be too much diddle dallying and he's going to try to turn it on late and it's not going to be enough. Right. I mean, you know, the Panthers are better than three and six. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater's had a really good year this year. Has been able to put up a lot of points, but this game was just—it's an NFL game. Most games aren't blowouts. So yeah, you look at the Panthers and say Kansas City, oh, they should just blow them out. I mean, it's gonna go back and forth. And and, and what matters as far as Pat Mahomes is that what OC just said is a is that W. And that's all that matters in the regular season. Let me get the win. And he found a way to win a, a closely contested game where the Panthers had to pull out fake punts, all these type of things to extend drives and get over the hump just so they could be in the same air with the Kansas City Chiefs by the end of the game. And so when you have a team that has to do all those things to be able to compete with you, um, sometimes it's going to be a lot closer than what you think. And, and let's be honest, most NFL games are one-score games. Field goal to maybe a touchdown on the high end. But most games come down to two two-minute, four-minute drill depending on who has the ball last. And it's just it just is what it is. And Teddy Bridgewater has really been playing at a high level this year. And I think it shocked a lot of people. Um, and they had McCaffrey last week. He got hurt, but he was out there balling too, you know, in the pass in the running game. So um it's 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 just is what it is. The talent's too great to ever look by anybody, and it's always gonna be tight. But this game went back and forth. I don't think Pat Mahomes was out there just chilling. I mean, he did have 372 for four tugs. I, I know I mean, I, if you call that chilling, so I, I, just, I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like I feel like if he played the way he does towards the end of games, the whole game, none of these he could be sitting in the fourth quarter. It's almost like he's toying with guys, like he's just messing around. And he's like, oh, okay, oh, oh, there's not much time left. Oh, we're down. What? Oh, okay, let's kick it into high gear. Boom, touchdown. Chiefs win. What do you want him to do, man? You want him to win? You want him to lead the whole game and just dominate? I, I don't. Hey, no. You know what he reminds me of? He reminds me of my cat when he catches a rat. You know, he doesn't kill the rat r- right away. He let he, he paws it around. He lets it run. Then he chases it down again. He doesn't want to kill it right away because he wants to play with it. And then by the end, he finally knocks him out, and the rat's dead. That's like what Patrick Mahomes does. And at the end of the day, all you care about is the fact that that rat is dead. Like you and I have had this conversation before, and it drives me insane because you're <laughs> one of these right. you're one of these people who believes that even at the highest level of the profession, right uh-huh. in the NBA, in the NFL probably in the UFC, whatever, that the guy or the team that is better should be so much better and should be dominant and should be crushing. And that's just not the reality. All that matters at the professional in the professional ranks is winning. Like, you can play the ugliest game on earth, but if at the end of the day you get the W, that's all that matters. This is not college football. In college football, style points matter. If you're Clemson and Ohio State and Alabama, you got to be hanging 50 burgers on people so that at the end of the day, that college football playoff committee says you're one of the four best teams. In the NFL, it's a meritocracy, except for, except for the NFC East right now. Everybody who's going to win a division is good, and they deserve to win that division, right? So, yeah, this drives me nuts about you that you're like, because you perceived Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs to be elite, and there's probably two or three other teams in the league that you put in that regard, you're not okay with them playing close games. You're not okay with them making mistakes and having to overcome those things to, to pull a game out late. That's why we watch the NFL, because you don't get to tune in every week and just be like, oh, I guarantee these guys are going to win by 40. Yeah, well, you see, you took, the, you took the wrong route there. Rather than taking another shot at me, which you, which you boys love to do, 
you should have said, yeah, that's kind of like my fighting style. Because, Zoe, I don't know if I told you, but I'd watch all his fights, and I couldn't watch the first four rounds because my boy was getting the dog bleep beaten out of him. And then in the last round, he'd come with a sledgehammer, knock the dude out, and win the fight. So you should have took that, you know, a little time to brag about yourself and say, yeah, that's how I treated the people I fought. I was the cat, they were the rat. I would mess with them, and then boom, knock him out. Yeah, but that's that's not how it was. And I, unlike you, do not take every available opportunity to pat myself on the back. So. Got to. Life is too short. All right, let's move on. The, the poor Chargers. I don't know why I'm saying the poor Chargers. I do hate that they left San Diego. That's like my second favorite city in California by far, uh, other than Berkeley. But listen to these games that they've lost. 23-20 to 20 to the Chiefs. 21-16 to 16 to the Panthers. 38-31 to 31 to the Bucks. 30 to 27 to the Saints, 31 to 30 to the Broncos, and 31 to 26 to the Raiders. This one was particularly heartbreaking as they had what they thought was a go ahead touchdown with no time on the clock, but they lose that too. That is, count them up, gentlemen, six losses. They're two and six. All six of their losses are by one score or less. So I don't really know what to do with that team. I respect the hell out of what I've seen from Anthony Lynn in terms of being a head coach. The Raiders continue to be kind of in that sort of purgatory, you know, they moved to five and three, but they never, you never, I mean, they did, they're the only team to beat the Chiefs, but Raiders over the Chargers, 31 to 26. Another week goes by, Derek Carr gets another win. I guess some heat comes off of his back. You know, they won back-to-back games, two totally different games. The week before, they won a lot with the running game. It was an ugly game. Carr did a little bit, had to do a little bit more in this game. But yeah, if you're the Chargers, one score losses, they have six of those, in the first eight weeks, has got to be rough. I'd ra- I'd much rather get blown out than lose a one-score game. Well, there's, there's something wrong with you, because uh, that <laughs> then that means that you're not competitive. If you get blown out. You, you want to give yourself a chance to win the game, Zach. I know, you know, but I mean, you'd rather get blown out. But if you're that close, like, okay, check it out. Let's say that's, uh, that's people fit. You scared of success, man. You don't want to get close and then lose <laughs> something, man. You gotta you gotta enjoy that process, man. <laughs> So you'd rather not go to the Super Bowl than get to the Super Bowl and then lose it. I'd rather not just get that close. I'd rather not get to the playoff. Just keep me out of it. That's that mindset. What? Yeah. Honestly, look, well, look, man. What? You and I are cut from two different countries. This goes back to the thing about You're right. This go- You're right. We're cut from two. You said it. Thank you. Yeah, cut, we're cut from different clubs. It goes to the same thing about rooting against your team so they get a better draft pick. If you told me the Dolphins could either – go to the Super Bowl and lose or lose in the AFC Championship game or a game before that, I would rather have that because you get too close. Oh, see, you lost two. You lost the Super Bowl to the Ravens and you lost the Super Bowl to the Chiefs that were agonizingly close. Would you have taken that route to get that close and then have that heartbreak or would you have rather them lost in a round before? Well, no, you'd rather get the Super Bowl. That's a silly question. I'm going to put that on the poll and I'll probably lose that one too. You are... You are amazing, man. You are unique, I'm uniquely gonna... made. You, you got the, the mold was broken with you. I don't know what happened. I appreciate you... that you chose the word unique instead of a lot of other ones that I've been called. But I'm so going to put it on I the poll. Lied. You really are Ricky Bobby. If you're not first, you're last. Yes, yes, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. All right, yeah. last, last one, gentlemen. Well, wow, we didn't even get to my Dolphins. So you know what? Nobody cares. No, no, for. Forget the Saints and the Bucks, which is what I wanted to go to. We're <laughs> wrapping up with my Dolphins over your Cardinals, though. Thirty-four. I'm not. A, I'm not. I played for them. Second, my team. Second squad, because you're in zone. No, no I, I live here. That's not okay. my second squad. Right. If I had to rank them, 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I cover them. Right. I know some guys that play for them, but I don't necessarily root for them. I don't root against them either. Well, I root for my Dolphins and I Tua. See, yeah. I told you Tua was coming. Tua Tonga Valoa. My stuza. This was a That's great not game. Your savior. That's not even your savior. He didn't. I mean, he did a great job, made some great throws to win, yeah. to win that game. But that defense is what no, won that they, game for you. Yeah, guys. but they let they let up thirty one. They got a sack. They scored a touchdown too. Again, well, they always do that. They've been doing yeah, that well, every week. Well, I mean, so that makes <laughs> a big difference. Yeah. Well, I did. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, they did that. Yeah, that's what they've been doing all year. They give well, up a ton of yards. Yeah. But our option to do the six, they take the ball away. Yeah. Took it away a couple of times, and yeah. then they score on defense. That's yeah. why they. That's why they're winning. Yeah. Tua just has to do, just continue to do what he needs to do, and not mess up. Just continue to grow, and he'll he be fine. Lot, he did a lot more this week than he than he did against the Rams the week before when I was down there. But it was just a great game with two young quarterbacks and up and coming. And more than anything, what I noticed when I watched that game, though, and I don't know, like, if you're on defense and you're game planning for somebody, how much you factor in height. But these are two of the smaller quarterbacks in the league. And they find a way to get it done because they're able to move around the pocket, do some spin moves, avoid pressure, and then wait for a guy to get open. But it was a great quarterback matchup. Obviously, I was thrilled because the Finns won. They go to five and three, and we're coming we're coming. Listen to me, because I know you're out, Mafia, hashtag Bills Mafia. When Zoe tweets this out, I want you to know that this Cali, somehow Cali Miami boy, is coming for your 7-2 and two Bills. No, and and don't be – look at the schedule, no, Zoe. Ours is not. easy. The Bills is not. And we play – That's the problem with you. That's the problem with you. You think everything is easy. There's nothing easy about the league. You <laughs> in, week or 17, not. in week 17, the Dolphins play the Bills, and that will be for the – mark my words. No. It won't. The division will be locked up by the time we get to that game. We may, you may be playing our our, our four strings, <laughs> our COVID players, just in case we have some issue in the uh, in the playoffs. All right, before we go, OC, you were starting a franchise tomorrow. Who would you take out of Murray and Tua? Murray. I mean, the sample size on Tua is just not there. Come on, right? it's two games, man. It doesn't matter. Amazing. It's two games. That's amazing. He's good. He is good, but it's only two games. Okay. Two games All right. good. All right. All right. I don't think you can go Let wrong. Let me know when he plays yet. Let's see when he plays an elite defense. He hasn't played a defense yet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Well, Rams, D, Rams D's all right. No, well, they are good, but he didn't have to really play. They Because yeah, their defense scored twice, pretty much twice. They yeah. took one, returned one to the one. You had a, a, a punt taken to the house. Yeah, so the game was over before he even started, and all he had to I do was hand it off and make some throws, some quick throws. I so got just a quick recap of the Zachariah uh, method for determining greatness <laughs> in sports. All right, <laughs> don't have a team allegiance that makes any sense in the first place. <laughs> Check if your favorite team is not the Super Bowl or NBA Finals winner. It's better to have them be dead last in the league. Check <laughs> yeah. against your team. Root against your team if they're out of the if they're out of the playoffs. Root against your team for a better pick. Okay, and as soon as your team has a young player that helps you win one game, he's the franchise pick for everyone moving forward. <laughs> Boom! You got it. that's the formula. That's that's how we'll end it. Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the number two Z's and OC. You can follow Sean O'Connell at Real OC Sports, and you can follow Lorenzo Alexander at One Man Gang. 97. What's your Instagram again? Because um, I had some people hit me up because it's not the same handle and they wanted to see the uh, the videos you posted of your kids. Oh, Lorenzo underscore John. 
Lorenzo underscore John. All right, gentlemen, until next week, you guys have a good week. All right. Later. Holla.